On today's Next Phase with Steve Key podcast, Scott Marshall, uh, he's spent over 30 years promoting road safety across Canada, uh, training new drivers, helping drivers to be better. Uh, he also does a lot of writing. Uh, he's appeared in uh, newspapers, newsletters. Uh, he also has a, a podcast and a really great uh, blog. Uh, he was, as well, interesting to note here, he was an on-air judge for the Discovery Network's Canada's Worst Driver. So he's not only seen the best of drivers, he's seen the worst of drivers. And you're Director of Training for Young Drivers of Canada. So this discussion is all going to be about driving and road safety. And uh, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, Scott. Thank you, Steve. Uh, pleasure. I do listen to your podcast. So well, nice to be part of one. Well, thank you. So what, what, what drove your passion for, for safe driving? Like, where did this start? You know, when I, when I started in 1988 as an in-car instructor, I didn't really have a passion for road safety. I mean, I enjoyed driving. I enjoyed people. And the more I started working with people who really honestly wanted to be a safe driver, not just to pass the road test, the passion kind of grew. And uh, speaking with their parents and their family members and, you know, total strangers who wanted driving tips, it just became part of who I was uh, as a person. So and, and the, the plus is I also, it's my job and a, and a hobby at the same time. You know, we're, we're of the same generation. I got my license at 16. And in those days here in Ontario, there was the, the old 365 learner's <laughs> permit and then a road test. And today yeah. we have a graduated licensing in Ontario. Are we really, maybe I'm talking to a trainer here, but are we properly preparing kids for the road? Uh, yes and no. The, uh, the graduate licensing, it's been out for almost 30 years, and there's been a decline in serious injury and fatalities in Ontario for, for a number of years now um, compared to the, the early 90s and the 80s. Part of that is also the, the safe, safer vehicles that we have out there. There's more airbags um, and other, uh, you know, crumple zones and, and, and side impact beams, things that protect us in the vehicle. Uh, but with that, we also have more distractions in our vehicle and, uh, you know, the cost, like everything else goes up and I'm not going to say this just because I'm, I'm a, a licensed driving instructor, but having a parent teach you how to drive is not necessarily the, the greatest move. And the graduate licensing is one way to kind of get rid of that because of the second road test. And, you know, mom and dad might get you around the corner and do a lane change but they're not necessarily going to prepare you for the, uh, the more advanced test. It kind of brings you to a funny point because yes, parents are, are certainly an influence, but my dad, uh, he's been gone 10 years now, but he was a real stickler for driving. He took something in the seventies down in, in New York called the Smith system. I don't know if you've ever yep. familiar with it. And it was really yeah. to help him teach some of his drivers uh, back here in Canada, defensive driving techniques so I became a bit of the guinea pig. Do we need to teach more of maybe not the Smith system necessarily, but do we need to teach more defensive driving? Uh, I always think of coming to an intersection. One of the things I always remembered was before I the light turns green, always look to my left, always look to my right. 
It's it's just ingrained in me. Uh, but are we teaching enough defensive driving uh, tactics? No, no, we're not. And and uh, it's interesting that you use the words uh, defensive driving because that seems to be the catchphrase for our driving community. And one of the first things that one of the first things that many people ask is, do you teach defensive driving? And all the driving schools are going to say yes. Um, I like to think that that we teach offensive driving, and even the Smith system is offensive driving. Now, not offensive as in a negative, but offensive as in make the first move. And in a sports fan, I know you are a sports fan, and and, and you know leaves forever. But um, the uh, the idea is is in, in a sports scheme is the best defense is offense. True. So when you were your example of you're always looking left and right before you cross as, as a driver, well, we do that as a pedestrian. What's the difference? You're still crossing the road. So there is no real difference. And you're looking ahead of time. You're not waiting until someone blows through a red light or a stop sign before you do something. That's defensive. Seeing them uh, approach too quickly and not proceeding, that's offensive. Because you're uh, seeing it before you have to react. Yeah, I... Uh... I used to think I was really good at it. Uh, and I got a motorcycle years ago. And about six years ago, uh, I was cut off by a vehicle and went into the ditch. And I, I've never ridden again. But I always thought the the idea of being on a motorcycle, especially the way they teach you uh, through some of the college programs, etc. Uh, they teach you to be aware of your surroundings. So I, I, but even the best laid plans, if you blink or don't pay attention for a second, you could find yourself in a lot of trouble quickly. Yeah, you can. You, you very much so in the in the Smith system and, and Younger of Canada, we, we started by using the Smith system. So I am quite familiar with it is getting the big picture and uh, constantly, you know, the fact that driving is really done with your eyes, not not so much your hands and feet. But it's your eyes that send a message to your brain that sends a message to your hands and feet what to do. And if you are looking at the wrong place, you're going to see the wrong things, or at least you won't see the correct things. But then it's also about positioning. Uh, why position your, yourself? Why put yourself in a, in a place that you're putting your, you're at risk of a crash? Right. You know, sitting next to another vehicle on a motorcycle is uh, a crash waiting to happen for the person who doesn't use their mirrors correctly or doesn't check their blind spot, is no consciously aware of what's going on around them and suddenly switches lanes because, oh, I need to turn left there, and boom. So as a motorcycle rider, you're positioning uh, uh, in traffic that you've got space all around you, and we want to do the same thing driving an automobile. Don't trust the person next to you. Well, and there, there are so many things now. You You, you talked about safer vehicles and there's a lot of uh on newer vehicles the crash avoidance i mean the, the, some of these vehicles park themselves does that make for people to be a little lazier driver or maybe less aware of what they're doing uh yeah on both counts so you know our vehicles now are semi-autonomous and we have anywhere from 25 to 50 sensors on our vehicles now that that not only do they help you park if you've got the park assist, but it lets you know if there's a vehicle going into your blind spot, uh, lets you know if you're wandering out of your lane, and even the the automatic emergency braking, if you're approaching an object too quickly in front, it'll brake for you. 
And I think that drivers are relying a little bit too much on the electronics because the downside is um, these are all done with, with sensors and, and radar that if someone bumps into the side of your vehicle with a shopping cart, it could put that sensor off kilter a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's not showing you that there's a person in your blind spot. Or if you've got snow or ice in the wintertime, covering your, your sensor at the side under your mirror, it's not going to tell you that there's a driver beside you or that you've got it on your emblem or you've got it on the top of your windshield where there are sensors to let you know that, uh, you know, you, you've got to pay attention. It's, it's not a parachute to protect you. It's, it's something that you can use just in case. And that's really where our, our mentality should be. If it's it's a backup plan, in case you're not paying attention, the the safest uh, uh, thing that's going to protect you in your vehicle is you. And um, until we have the fully autonomous vehicles, you're the one in charge. So be in charge. We talk about things that distract us, and you know, for years we've we've talked about cell phones and people who are just bad and they continue to use a handheld device, but there's there's so much more in a vehicle that can be distracting. It could be kids. Yeah. It could be the dog. It could be the GPS. It could be anything. Uh, yeah. yeah. How, how do we, how do we stop people from, from being distracted? Because I've seen studies where, you know, three quarters of the collisions on the road are, are as a result of some sort of distraction. You know, how do we how do we convince people that this is just wrong? It's it's self-governing, you know, as, as much as, you know, right now the, the the distracted driving laws is holding any electronic device or even viewing a video screen. Uh, that question came to me that can I can I you know view that while I'm driving? No, you can. It's part of the laws. And it's sixteen hundred or six hundred and fifteen dollars uh, is the ticket. And if that doesn't scare you, it's the demerit points, it's the higher insurance. If that doesn't scare you, then you're going to continue to do that. So you've got Big Brother who's saying, listen, if you if you break the rules, you're going to get a penalty. And uh, and there's there's others who say, well, who's going to find out? And then there's others that I, I'm perfectly fine doing it. I'm I'm a good driver without. So it's it's denial. So the the best way to control the distracted driving really is to tell yourself what are the what are the issues. And, and ask yourself, so if I get charged and I get I get the ticket, how's that going to affect the insurance? Who else is on my insurance policy? Right. Um, you know, and, and and it doesn't go away. It, 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 the rates are up. So, you know, you're, it's, it's rare that your insurance rates go down. I mean, you, you, you're in an industry because of all the, the claims and whatnot. And money has to be paid out for different different reasons. And you're a high risk. You, you've shown that you're a high-risk driver, then you've got to pay for it. Um, what happens if you get into a crash because of it? Now, are you injured? Now, look what you did to your family because now they're worried because you're injured. Did you hit somebody else? An innocent person doing minding their own business and you hit them because you didn't see the red light because you're looking on who sent you a text message or your social media. So it's all these types of things that it's not worth it. I just wrote a piece on, on my blog about tips to help improve. And, and the first thing I mentioned is that you, you have to want to make a change. Yeah. And, and I've said uh, for years, I can only teach you if you want to learn. Well, and I said, I said that on Canada's worst driver as well. 
Yeah, I, I think that the, there are people that are firmly convinced that they're very good. And and again, if I go back to just my experience, and I got my license the summer of my 16th birthday, and I have been driving for 40 plus years uh, since then. But with the exception of going through the motorcycle course, there was never really a a way to sort of upgrade. And then as drivers get past you know 70 that's when the ministry starts to you know starts to look at are you still a good driver well at my age i find that driving at night now has become a little bit more challenging uh, maybe it's the eyesight maybe it's just reaction time should there be checks and balances along the way yeah once upon a time that the, the government was was uh, 80 when you uh, you would do a, a road test and you go in for your vision test and things like that as well and if you were involved in a collision whether it was your fault or not it was 70 and they've taken that out um, and you go in for a, a questionnaire it, it's it's a, it's more of if you're cognitively fit to drive yeah and not physically fit to drive. And, and I've taken a lot of seniors out over the years who their family doesn't think that they're, they're safe enough to drive. And it's, it's a family that, that takes consideration about what they do. And uh, I, I do think that there should be something in place. Um, and again, it comes back to the self-governing is, you know, my dad is 86 and, and he bought a new vehicle in March. So I was in the vehicle with him and I gave him pointers and doing this for over 30 years. But my dad listened to me and he still does. And he reminds, it's kind of nice on a role reversal uh, where I'm <laughs> telling him what to do. But uh, he's like, yeah, I've got my hands, two hands on the steering wheel at 10 and 2. And, and uh, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it's like, good, I'm glad because it's going to keep you safe. Because I think you're right, as you get older, you're, sometimes you're your reflexes and, and your reaction time slows down because of age. And also, you know, your vision could be still pretty good, but that message going from your eyes to your brain to your hands is a little bit slower. So it, it's a good idea to get checked out professionally. I don't think it hurts. Uh, I think people, no. golfers continue to review their game and, and go to lessons and you take cooking lessons and, you know, maybe it's nice to have a, a chance to see you are as, as a driver. I mean, that's the big difference between my wife and myself. I think growing up, I always had to to maneuver a vehicle into parking spaces, a parallel park, do all sorts of things like that. And she says, I don't know how you do it. She says, I just, I freeze up. And I said, mm -hmm. you have to continue to do it. And there were so many streets and things growing up where I had to parallel park. So it's, it's, I think it's a lost art. And even now, when you have park assist, that takes another of those key elements of being aware of your vehicle, the size and, and space and what you can do with it. Yeah. And, and I think that was the key part um, about being aware of your vehicle. And, and when you turn the wheel a certain way at a certain time, what happens to your vehicle yeah. and, and knowing how close you are to, to a vehicle. And I remember, uh, I know, you know, we, we share the, the, the love of, of, of the leaves and whatnot. I was outside the, uh, the gardens. And I got hemmed in in a parking spot right across the road on Charlton, yeah. or on Carlton Street. I remember that parking lot there. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I was with my friends, and we were we were watching the the Leafs, and um, I maneuvered out of that spot without any assistance because I knew where my vehicle was. 
Um, I knew where my bumpers were in the corners of the vehicle and they were a little bit surprised. But uh, I, yes, I was an instructor at that time, but I was also a driver. And, and being aware, and I think that, you know, as you, the saying is if you, if, you, um, if you don't use it, you lose it. And uh, it doesn't have to be a government agency that, that tests you to see if you can do it. It's self-knowledgement. You know, can you do it? Go to a professional instructor and say, I want to know if I can do this. But, but and even, people find that, the, you know, I think, I think the driving is this sense of independence and that you're, you take that away and you're, you're losing something terribly. Uh, I just I just worry sometimes when I see people on the road that they don't have the reaction time that they used to and that they they just aren't as good as they used to be. But trying to tell them that's a very personal thing and people get angry at you when you raise it with them. Well, I was just going to go that direction and it's self pride. And and there's some that really, really believe they're a good driver. And there's some that will say they're a good driver, but they have some questionable things about it or they'll blame other people. And um, I wrote, I just posted on Twitter that, you know, which I'll do often is make improvements, um, not excuses. And the the person that says, you know what, I'm pretty good, but I could probably be better is probably the most honest person. And, and when we were doing Worst Driver, um, people would commonly ask us, well, why aren't you doing Canada's Best Driver? Because I, I said, because 20 million people will apply to be on the show because everybody feels they're a good driver, right? So it's... Yeah. Yeah. It, you you it, do. It's the one thing where everybody is... I don't think I ever had a call from a disgruntled person working for the insurance industry that told me they were a bad driver. It was yeah. always somebody else's fault. It was always somebody else's problem. And uh, you start to check off because insurance is all about rating and actuarial yeah. tables. Uh, yeah. You have a couple of, of uh, speeding tickets. You have a, a collision or two. Yeah, no wonder your rates are what they are. Um and, and and that self-awareness is, is not always there. I, I wanted to ask you one final question. If you had a, a magic wand, what would you do to make our roads safer? And maybe that's just the million-dollar question. If I had a magic wand, I would uh, make every driver be honest. And that they admit they made a mistake or they admit that they need help or they admit they shouldn't be driving at certain times of the day or on certain roadways uh, or certain times of the year in certain conditions. And that, that honesty, I think is, is something that, you know what, I'm not a very good freeway driver. So maybe I'll take a secondary highway or maybe I'll get somebody else to drive. Um, I, yeah, that, that would be my magic one. And that, that sounds, you know, really uh, very smart advice. Listen, uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today and continued great work. Uh, I think uh, your podcasts are uh, a much listen and that uh, you learn a lot and you, you certainly bring a lot of the, the passion to the table. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, I'm going to put some of the links to um, to his work, the, the blog, the podcast. Uh, they are informative. And, and again, I, I driving is one of those controversial topics. Let's not make it controversial. Let's be safe out there. 
The next phase with Steve Key podcast is up on most of the podcast networks. If you've got a great story to tell, uh, please drop me a line and I'll have you on. Until we speak again, have a wonderful day.